0: Hello Laura.
1: Hey Kate, how are you?
0: Good, how are you?
1: I'm good, good to hear from you.
0: You too, I'm glad that you could do this.
1: Me too, thanks for hitting me up.
0: Um, This is the Mohawk Class of 2000 and something mini podcast and we are talking to Miss Laura Rausch. Actually, Mm -hmm. she has a new last name, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, go ahead.
1: (laughs) It actually rhymes, it's Bausch.
0: Roush, Laura Roush, Roush. And she graduated, you graduated same time as us in 2008. So how have you been? Good. How are you? Hanging in there. Um you were actually the very first person <laughs> who were who was like, "Yes, I want to do this." And it shocked me, I'm going to be honest, why were you like, "Yes, I want to do this?"
1: Um so I I really like listening to podcasts anymore, and I think that's part of the reason why. And whenever I heard you were doing this, I was like, oh, that is kind of cool to see what people are up to anymore. And uh, with my job, I kind of found beauty in the little things. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a famous person or someone huge within your community to really gain some insight into someone's life and how that can impact you.
0: Well, since you mentioned it, what is your job? What is your career?
1: So I'm an archivist and curator at an insurance museum, which sounds like I belong to a cult. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I work at the Erie Insurance Heritage Center and I kind of wear many hats. It's both an archives and a museum. So I do a lot of different things at once there, like any museum would.
0: Okay. So you curate insurance things? What does that mean?
1: (laughs) No, not quite. So, um. We have a museum that's based on the founder's legacy and how he impacted the city of Erie and his like business ethics in dealing with insurance claims and how to write insurance. And uh, he had some interesting stories throughout his life, too, that made him a big uh, benefactor for the community at large. So. Uh, We built this museum knowing that he had a lot of uh, artifacts that he had collected throughout his life, and he was a real pack rat about the things (laughs) that he wrote about. So um, we kind of built a little museum out of that, trying to inspire people to kind of live by the golden rules, so to say. Our company motto is above all in service. So, you know, kind of touting that and touting how great you know, they really try to be on the cutting edge of things. So it's, it's weird to describe and talk about, but yeah, that's what I do.
0: What is the strangest thing in this collection?
1: Um, probably, well, I can say one of two things, probably the, well, I can't exactly say what I want to say because it's not quite open to the public, but, um, people can come, uh, if they request to have a visit, And it's kind of like our piece de resistance of the museum. So um, the weirdest things that I've ever encountered is we have a series of letters called the booster letters, which are just letters of praise or thanks for, you know, how they handled a claim or how they treated them during their time of need. And my family's not from Erie. Mm -hmm. So I found in there a letter from my great grandfather, who Mm -hmm. we thought just up and left and kind of. Well, just up and left. We didn't know where he ended up. So it felt very serendipitous to later in life, working in the archives of this insurance company, uh, find a letter from him saying, Hey, thanks for dealing with my claim. What are
0: the odds of that? That's crazy. Very
1: bizarre. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, sorry that I have asked you nothing but questions that I told you that I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> like, you know, all the questions. I haven't asked you a single thing that. I've prepped you for, um, but we'll go back to those things, which is I sat down and I realized that, oh my God, we graduated 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. What did you do immediately following graduation? Like either right after the ceremony or that summer or whatever, just what did you do?
1: Oh man. I, you know, I really can't remember. I know I had, you know, the graduation party that everyone else had. And I think I basically just tried to spend as much time with my friends as I could before we went off to college. So outside of that, yeah.
0: And you went, you went to Westminster, right? Yep. You
1: and I both went to Westminster and I left
0: after a year. I was going to say, where did you end up going after Westminster? Why did you leave, first of all? <laughs> well, um, so
1: when I went to college, I was the first in my family to go to a four-year institution. So they were all pretty excited, but, um, they were really worried about where I was going to go and what I was going to end up doing. And my parents and my family were very invested in me doing something that I could be independent with. So there was a lot of push for me to go to either be a doctor or a lawyer. And I knew Mm -hmm. that I couldn't do the whole lawyer thing. And in high school, I felt like I did really well in science and art. So I, um, I got into a couple of different places and one of them was Westminster. And to my mom, Westminster was like Ivy League to her. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, it's close enough to home. It's a really good institution. You're going there. I didn't really have a choice necessarily. So mm-hmm. when I went, I studied neuroscience and fine art. And I had a, um, I was on the pre-med track and I was having a peace studies minor And it was with the intent to go on to be a surgeon with Doctors Without Borders and my naive mind thinking, oh, whatever money I'd be making as a surgeon, I could come back to the States and uh, secretly funnel it to the arts that are dying slowly and, you know, kind of get in (laughs) with artists and everything like that. And slowly weasel my way into, you know, that culture and world and be a benefactor of sorts. Um, And after a year... I realized very quickly how much reality just kicks you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. It was like I was taking 22 credits a semester, stressed out. I gained, like, well, you know, everyone gains so much weight whenever you're first year in college. And my second semester, I was getting B's and C's in all of my science classes, and I was getting A's in all my art classes, and it was weird, because in high school, it was quite the opposite. You know, I really seemed to struggle in art, although I liked it, and C really science. And it bizarre. I was really getting pushed to think very critically about uh, med school so early on. I remember uh, we had a recruiter come in and tell us how crucial it was for us these very early fundamental classes or else we would you know bomb when it came later in life Mm -hmm. so second semester I ended up developing heart problems from all the stress that I was under so oh god I'm sorry no no it's okay um I
0: had no
1: idea yeah so I the night that I came back home after second semester at Westminster, I just started crying to my mom. I just told her, like, I didn't think I could keep up with it. So knowing very much that she wanted me to keep with the medical field, she encouraged me to go back to school at CCBC for their nursing program uh, because she felt it was a lot more reasonably priced and it was a pretty good institution. So it would at least get my foot in the door and I could go from there. So I stayed there for two years. And I got into their nursing program. And at the same time I was taking yoga courses and I really liked it. And I ended up getting my yoga teaching certificate out of it. Mm-hmm. But I realized how much I just was not fit for the medical field at all. You know, I just got really burnt out from it. And after um cleaning a dead body it was kinda like a really It was a really humbling experience, but it was also one where I realized i i couldn't keep doing this in life and you know keep going on with it with the same amount of tenacity that I needed to
0: like cleaning a dead body uh, uh, as in preparing it for like a, a viewer or what do you what is uh,
1: the I, I i can't say exactly what she what she died from, but she had just passed away about twenty minutes prior, and we were uh just Wiping her down and washing her off before we were putting putting her to the morgue. So,
0: oh my goodness, you lead a fascinating life. You. Sorry, continue. <laughs> After that experience was terrifying. Move on. <laughs> but um, no, it
1: it was a really it was a really humbling experience. I'm glad I did it, but it was one that made me realize like, oh my god, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I I no. do not fit in here. So God bless all you people who can. Right, right, oh, yes. Oh, um, But I think this is where yoga really came into a critical point in my life because it helped me stop and reflect on what I really wanted to do. And I had decided at that point in time, you know, I, I was working a dead-end retail job and I really wasn't making any money and I was doing a career that I really wasn't excelling in and I felt terrible doing. So I... At
0: what age was this? Was this like 22, 23? What is, what age this is this now? This
1: hadn't been when we were about 21. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Cause I remember when I went to Edinburgh, I was, I was 21. Um, and I remembered during this time, you know, doing yoga and meditating how much I really loved doing art and how I really excelled at it when I pushed myself. So in my desperation and existential crisis, I decided to go to school for art specifically sculpture (laughs) so my mom was not thrilled (laughs) (laughs) but at this point in time you know she really wasn't able to financially help me at all so I was taking on all that burden myself and I think she kind of was like well you know whatever happens she'll have to take care of it on her own so yeah so yes I ended up um this probably would have been Our senior year, had I stayed at Westminster, uh, I started over at Edinburgh University studying sculpture, and I -hmm. ended up switching uh, because I realized I just could not keep up with that kind of culture. And (laughs) as much as I loved creating 3D works, I I really just, I, I wasn't in the mindset anymore to really focus on grant writing to Get me to these institutions where I could keep creating artwork and maybe surviving on a minimal-based income. I really wanted something Mm -hmm. at the same time that I could try and support myself with too. So I went on to uh, study art history and archaeology and anthropology.
0: Okay,
1: and uh, now (laughs) yeah, now it's coming together. So um, I ended up graduating in 2014 with. Uh, bachelor's degree in art history and anthropology and shortly after um, well actually two weeks before I graduated Edinburgh went through an extensive retrenchment program and they had cut the entire art history department's budget for uh, Mm. incoming art history students so two weeks before I graduated found out that our program was put on moratorium so that was sad Mm. and at the same time They were looking for a contract worker to research their fine art collection, inventory it, and to provide some insight into what they could do to kind of help revitalize their art department with this collection. So I ended up um, knowing the woman who was heading it. She was actually my advisor there. And I asked her, you know, hey, if you need someone to uh, do this job, I'd be very interested in it. I don't plan on leaving this summer. And she actually interviewed me for the job, and I got hired. So, I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: For happy circumstances, that works yeah, out. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it, it was definitely one of the hardest jobs I've ever had because I got paid minimum wage to research all these different collections, and they had some really cool things. They had these Degas prints. They had stuff from um, Picasso. They had stuff from um, – they had like cells from different Disney animations that I had to inventory.
0: This was the school's mm-hmm. collection. Okay.
1: And at the time, the only way that students could actually view it, and this was specifically for students to view and to kind of add value to the art department. Uh, the only way they could view it was online and the website that they had it on, you know, the, uh, the person who created it did it as good as job as they could at the time, but sometimes the pictures wouldn't load up properly and, you didn't really have much of a search capability on it. So you would have to go through hundreds and hundreds of photos one by one thinking, oh, is that the Andy Warhol that I'm looking for?
0: Okay. The metadata wasn't there to actually search. Yes, itself.
1: exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, and I remember um, I had to travel to Cleveland with my supervisor to research it. Oh, no. Cleveland <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it was about an hour and a half away. I remember just being so broke all the time because I was like, I I can't afford any of this. (laughs) Um, But that job ended up helping me land my current job now. So um, my supervisors at my current job happened to reach out to my supervisor at my old job and saying, hey, we're looking for someone for this position. Do you by chance know anybody who is a recent graduate that would want this? And she had recommended me for it. So... I applied and got in, and that's where I started. There.
0: So, how many years have you been there? It's going
1: to be four years in the twenty eighth.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So, I've been there for a
1: while now. I work at a place too where everyone stays until their forty fifth year, so I'm still quite a baby there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have to explain how technology works to several people many times a day.
1: Surprisingly, no. They're all they're all pretty up on that, but. Oh, good. All, all, well, I can't say that anymore, but almost all of my coworkers are at least three decades older than me, so wow. still very much feel like the baby.
0: <laughs> so I'm assuming somewhere in there is when you met your husband, so where, what is his, his first, first name? His first name is Remington, so his... Remington, that's <laughs> a badass name, that's yeah. awesome. Where did you meet him? I at? met him at
1: Edinburgh, so actually I was an RA um in the dorm hall that he was living in and I happened to um see him all the time and I was really interested in getting to know him but he just wanted nothing to do with me nothing at all and I would go (laughs) out of my way to (laughs) I remember on nights where I had desk duty I would go out of my way to like go up on his hall and pretend to like talk to his RA and be like hey Mike how are you doing and like go over to Rem's room and be like, hey, Rem, if their door was open, he would just, you know, give me like a hi. And then (laughs) that was it.
0: (laughs) So if you went back to school and he was going to school there, you are at least a couple years older than him.
1: Yep. I am four years older than
0: him. Oh, good for you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Quite robbing the cradle there. What did he go to school for? (laughs) Um, Well,
1: originally, he was going to school for graphic design. So we kind of saw each other around campus from that. And then um, due to his parents' push, uh, he went to school for business. And after that didn't work out, he tried to go back to school for writing. Um, Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, that didn't end up panning out for him the way he wanted to. Uh, He's just the type of person where school doesn't really work so well for him. (laughs) he's very much just a hands-on kind of person uh real world experience so um he still wants to be a writer and that's something i do my best to support him in a lot because well i made my dream world's work so i don't doubt he can make his
0: (laughs) did you guys have the the big wedding or uh justice of the king's wedding or uh, what was this uh we eloped (laughs) oh that's awesome where how so uh, (laughs) at this point in
1: time we were doing the long distance relationship so he was living in baltimore i was living up near erie and it was about it was beginning in december 2016 um, he had told me that he you know didn't want to live there anymore was you know we had talked about living together anyways and uh, he was going through some uh, interesting situations with his roommate at the time and said you know he just couldn't deal with it so that very weekend, I dropped what I was doing, um, took a rental car, drove down, got a U-Haul, picked him up, and moved him in that same weekend.
0: Oh, jeez, you're spontaneous! I did not know this about you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it. Keep going. Well,
1: I I really liked him for a long time, and I you know it was just one of those things where I really felt strongly for him. So when we got together, um, you know, we just really made it work, and I felt like. If I was going to choose someone as my person, this was – I was going to do everything I
0: could to make it work. Is he in the room right now?
1: No, he's actually still at work, so he works not off oh, the okay. shift.
0: So. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh, hey, sorry just to be talking about you. What's up? <laughs> but he'll listen to it later and oh, yeah. hopefully not be embarrassed. Anyway,
1: continue. <laughs> oh, man, he was so proud. He's like, oh, my God, you're going to be on a podcast? What are you going to talk about? Are you going to be, like, an expert on something? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just talking you're about an me. an
0: expert on your- your own life. You're an expert on your own life. It's yeah. fine. Primary
1: source. It's good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that we kind of moved him in and we were talking about getting married and all that stuff anyways and at the time uh, you know, we were it was under that act where anyone under the age of 25 could be under their parents' insurance and if you yeah. didn't have insurance, you were going to get fined come tax season. So yep. his uh, stepmother at the time had to drop him. So And it was by New Year's. So midnight New Year's, he needed insurance. So we had decided, since we were already talking about it at this point in time, just to do it. So we eloped midnight New Year's. My coworker and his wife were our witnesses. And one of my best friends, Nora, I found out was an officiant. So we got married underneath the 100-year-old marble clock and fireplace at my museum.
0: That is so awesome. Yeah. Would you go back and do it all again? Like no regrets or Oh yeah. do you kind of like miss having a big thing? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. At this point yeah. in time, I've been in
1: three, going to be four weddings of a bridesmaid. And, you know, that's been great. But I just, I hear all these stories about what they have to go through and how much money they're spending on it. And I'm just like, mm. oh, you yeah. poor baby, you sweet baby angels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> was, your, was your mom mad?
1: No, no, she wasn't. Um, we actually, we took some time to tell them. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So uh, we, we didn't want to tell everybody right away that we were doing this. So we waited for a while. And I remember telling my friends from home about it. And they were just like, "What? what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> when did this happen? And why are you just telling us now? Because it was probably about six months after it happened that I finally started to tell people. Because I wanted to wait. And uh, tell my parents in person before, you know, I told anyone
0: else. Yeah, that's a good plan. Mm -hmm. That's a solid plan.
1: I remember meeting my mom at Primanti Brothers in Grove City. (laughs) And when I told her, she just spat her water out all over the table. And she looked at me and she goes, are you pregnant? (laughs) No. (laughs) And I was like, no, that wasn't the intent.
0: (laughs) No, mom, we needed insurance. There's no baby. It's fine. (laughs) And I
1: and I feel bad saying that because there's obviously more reason than just insurance why we got married, but it oh, was definitely sure. the catalyst okay. for sure. Yeah.
0: Yep. I get it. It's totally fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would definitely do that all over again a heartbeat because right after that, you know, uh, we went my my coworker and his wife took us out to this really dingy dive bar. It's like a martini lounge on like Erie's bad side of town, <laughs> and it was so <laughs> smoky, and there were these like. Pirate bar, uh, bartenders, they just serving us dirty martinis all night long. And it was. The
0: name of this bar?
1: Scotty's. Scotty's Martini Lounge. Okay. So, all right. They have a little shrine right on the inside when you go into this gangster that used to come there. <laughs> it's very <laughs> odd. It's like decked down this red velvet and these really cheap cigars that probably have stained the, <laughs> the velvet it's sitting on.
0: Brandon went to school in Erie and. When we were dating way early on, I remember being quite tipsy and roaming around Erie. And some reason you saying a pirate or something gave me a flashback. But I'm pretty sure maybe it was just someone dressed up like a pirate. (laughs) Regardless, there's there's no connection here except being tipsy in a bar and and seeing someone that
1: looks like a pirate. I get it.
0: (laughs) Yes, basically that's it. For a second there, my brain had a flashback, but nope, nope, no connection. Sorry.
1: (laughs) So, how did you and Brandon get together? I've always been meaning to ask you.
0: Oh, good lord. Um, I think he's about to come refresh my margarita. He's, hi. He's looking out the window. I'm currently sitting on the front porch, and he's in the house making tequila loveliness.
1: I was hearing Um, birds in the background, and I didn't know if you, like, bought Soundscapes.
0: Nice cut. No, that's hilarious. No, this is just a really good app, and I'm on the front porch. You are refreshing my margarita. Say hi to Laura. So, hey Brandon. She was asking how we got together, and I I don't know. We were drinking margaritas. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, good lord, what was it? I had broken up with a guy from Westminster, and I was just doing my own thing. I was getting ready to graduate. I had like. A semester left. I graduated a semester early and I had a semester left. And I was like, I'm not going to meet anybody. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to do my thing. And I'm going to move anywhere in the United States. I'm not going to be tied down. I'm going to go get a job anywhere I want. And it's going to be great. And I had my sights set on ESPN. It was wow. gonna be awesome. I had high <laughs> aspirations, girl. That's awesome. And, and then this 5'11 goofball <laughs> walked into my life. And I have laughed every single day since, Aww. and I don't regret it for a second. Oh, that's awesome. Screw ESPN. I will take this man any day of my Aww. life. Um, actually, he's now second to our little guy. <laughs> I will take that man any day of my life, our little guy Jake. And he smiles every day, and I think it's because we smile every day. And it's we live a very nice life. We are very happy. Aww, um
1: good. I'm happy for you guys.
0: thanks we
1: try
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're holding down newcastle for everybody else Um, god knows it needs it Uh, (laughs) i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um name one thing you wish you would have done differently in high school in those six years or four years or whatever you want to call it name one thing you wish you would have done differently while you were in those halls
1: oh jeez Now, does this have to be in school or just in life in general or kind of either or?
0: So my next question to you is going to be name something you would have changed in the past 10 years. Okay. So I specifically want to know what you would have changed when you were at Mohawk and then the follow-up to that will be, yeah.
1: Gotcha. <clears throat> um, I wish I didn't get so burned out my senior year. I remember 11th grade, just overloading my schedule with all these weighted classes and really trying my damnest <laughs> just to get a good GPA.
0: Right. Just so you can do awesome in school. Like you drive yourself crazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: I wish I had more time just to enjoy myself and enjoy what I was doing. So that would have been, that would have been ideal because definitely going forward, I really kept on to that whole burnout mentality thinking, oh, I have to get to this point in order to succeed. And that's not the way it's not the way at all.
0: No, it sounds like with the yoga and stuff, you have like a way better handle and you can be more calm and relaxed and enjoy life. Yeah, I definitely
1: try. And I think that that was something I always realized, well, I I finally realized I really needed in my life. So just being so high strung and so tightened up all the time, really needing to learn to relax and just enjoy the moment no matter how stressful it is. So
0: 26 minutes in, I've learned that I need to look into yoga. Um,
1: <laughs> well, if you ever <laughs> want to learn about it, you know, you can always hit me up.
0: What is one thing you would have changed in the 10 years since leaving those halls?
1: So uh, my, my grandparents and I were always pretty close growing up. And recently my last grandfather passed away. So, oh, I'm so oh thank you. Um, but yeah, he was,
0: they used to come to soccer games and stuff. I do remember that. Yeah. Holy cow. Yes,
1: they did. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I was always really close to them and they really taught me a lot of life lessons. So, you know, not just gardening and how to like pick up rocks out of the, you know, out of the, um, soils so that way they can repave the cements and everything like that. It was a lot of learning how to not put up with crap from other people and, you know, learning when to kind of pick my battles. Um, And my grandfather that just passed away this year, uh, he was in World War II. And um, that really, I think, kind of traumatized him. So when he came back, he really uh, gravitated to the arts. Um, And I feel like that was his outlet in life. Hmm. So he was never he never really could afford either time or money to invest in professional classes so he really taught himself and he really loved Bob Ross. So oh my god
0: Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> of all art things to love. Yeah. Bob Ross. Yeah. That's great. So
1: actually, uh, I got a suitcase full of his art um, from the last time. Bob Ross or your grandfather? I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 of my grandfather's, yes. I should be very specific about that. And inside was an intact Bob Ross kit that he had bought. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it had those palettes that had, like, the fava blue and green and all that stuff. So it was it was really interesting. But he really pushed me to really be better at art because that was something that he and I could really bond over. So, you know, and I, I look back at that and I realized how much he really influenced me in my career decision and how much um, he specifically influenced why I like working in the round, working with 3d objects more than necessarily painting and stuff like that. Like I got his Dremel tool and I got um, some of his, uh wood cutting supplies and things like that so
0: that's cool that's awesome yeah do you what what is your favorite type of art that you do for you like as an outlet
1: so I really do like to um I really do like to carve wood um oh yeah yeah so I when I was in college Um, I made a half moon table and it actually sits um, inside our entryway where we put our keys on every day. So I made that and I made like a little bowl for my mom. And um, my grandfather would whittle um, like wolves faces and deer faces and Native American faces and stuff like that. Because he was really, he really loved um, Native American culture. And uh, one of the ones that I have, one of the blanks I have is of a wolf face right now. And I'm trying to finish it for him. Yeah. So um I always really liked working redactive. I really liked carving. It always was very soothing to me and um rather uh <laughs> rather silly of me. I really wanted to try and carve marble, but the nearest quarry in Pennsylvania I think is in Vermont. So that was another reason why um when I transferred to Edinburgh I realized you know I really I really can't do this if I wanted to try to do what I really wanted to do so um so work carving for me is just as effective and just as good so that's what I really like to do
0: tell me one thing you wish you would have changed wait did I ask that already I'm sorry no no you're fine one thing – no, I wanted to know. What's the one thing you're most proud of accomplishing, I'm sorry, in the past 10 years?
1: Uh, landing a job in my career. That was, that's definitely one of the things I'm most proud of um, because I, I really would not I, – obviously, I wanted, I wanted that to work out, but the fact that it did and the fact that I'm able to support myself is rather a dream come true. So that's definitely probably one of the top things that I'm proud of. So, and I guess making the connections that I have made on along the way with that. So, uh, my archaeology professor and I have become friends outside of college now that I graduated. and We're in town. And uh, she is getting her permit to dig in North America. So, we might be dredging oh. stuff up in Lake Erie. I might be helping her volunteer with that. In Lake Erie? Yeah, apparently. So, I don't really know too much about the details. I know she's still kind of in the beginning phases of the grant writing process for it. So
0: grant writing is hard. I had no idea. Grant writing is a tricky thing. Oh my
1: god. I'm so I reached out to you about this before the Lines for Response Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know what it is, it's a First Response Group for cultural heritage institutions and museums and historical societies. So if a natural disaster happens to befall to these institutions, after the disaster has parted, we come in and we triage all the artwork and the collections that that institution has for preservation and conservation needs. So we're kind of like first responders in that respect. And um, we recently applied for a grant for performing arts groups to kind of help them develop their own disaster response preparedness kits and to help preserve um their uh oh my god I'm blanking on the word their props my god props (laughs) 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 I have coffee with me right next to me because I knew I was going to be sleepy by the time we did this and it clearly has not kicked in
0: coffee you're drinking coffee I told you of anything you could sip on you picked coffee
1: well you know I love my G&Ts I really love my gin and tonics but I'm so sleepy anymore (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I wanted to give you my A game for this. I really did.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Anyway, sorry, continue. We're talking about the props. <laughs>
1: oh, we I was just saying about how um yeah, we were writing a grant to get this or I'm sorry, we were writing a grant application to get this grant money for um performing arts groups in the region to develop their own disaster preparedness kits and techniques and to develop their own walkthroughs if there was an emergency and to get guest speakers and uh, people like that to come in and help them out and I remember looking at the first page that our programming and membership committee person (laughs) did and I I had to put it down I was just like I can't I can't read anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The hoops you have to jump through and the specific information and how you have to word things and it's very yes very outline and structured
1: yes it, w- it was insane i was like how do, how how'd you do this this was all you and she's like well i've been doing this for like 10 years and I
0: was like oh <laughs> kudos six more years and you'll be set you're good to go it's fine <laughs> 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 um so we talked that you're sipping on coffee you want wine, wah, wah. even though you so that's okay um, name one show or movie that we all should be watching right now whether it's on Netflix or cable or TV or maybe you don't even have time to do that I don't know
1: <laughs> well I really love um, Bob's Burgers that's always my go to okay. <laughs> um, but one of my all time favorites is The Last Man on Earth so that one's on Hulu oh, that-
0: yes I've heard really good things about mm-hmm.
1: this one. I'm so sad it got cancelled but it was so, so funny sad and it's such like stupid lighthearted humor that i feel like really anybody could get into it's kind of more adult themed but it's it's just so it, it warms my heart <laughs>
0: <laughs> um the loaded question that i'm asking everyone and of course you can respectfully decline to answer mm-hmm. but would you mind telling us who you voted for in the last presidential election and why sure
1: Um, so in the last presidential election, I really was a big Bernie Sanders fan. Um, seeing that he ended up losing the primary, um, I really didn't know where to go because I wasn't going to vote for the Republican side because any of my values or ideals really didn't match up with that candidate. And I really wasn't sold on the democratic side either on a few key points and seeing how he ended up endorsing Hillary and, um, knowing that, you know, he would have wanted, Bernie would have wanted us to vote for her. I ended up voting for her anyways. So I really wasn't thrilled <laughs> with that, but I, I really wasn't thrilled with any of my options. And the only person I did want to vote for, um, you know, really wanted us to vote for this person. And at the time, it seemed like they were kind of trying to work together on certain values and ideas. And I was yeah. just like, no, compromise. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. all right. Uh, what 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 one specific thing about Bernie Sanders like drew you to wanting to support him
1: um He just really seemed to understand kind of everybody's point of views in life, not just people who were uh, working at the bottom, people who were working at the top, but wanting uh, wanting the best for everyone involved, you know universal health care wanting to really fund education and everything I went through with college, seeing how, you know, my program got cut and seeing how um, hard it was for, you know, people in Erie who didn't really have the blue collar jobs that they used to anymore. Um, Hearing that and hearing it from a place where he sounded, uh, his ideals seemed to be sound and have basis, um, really made a difference to me and coming from a family who voted largely blue, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm very much the black sheep. <laughs> so, um, but in, in a sense, I can definitely understand where they were coming from. Um, because like for my dad, um, I think he was really basing his hope on the fact that this would bring back coal. Um, no. you know, and this would bring back life to an industry, um, him and his coworkers, I think, felt were dying. Their whole livelihood was based on it. So, yeah. in in that specific re- respect, I can understand how people could have sided in that in, in, on the blue side, but or I'm sorry, on the red side. But um, I, it's just everything else. I really couldn't get behind with Trump. That's okay. That's
0: all right. I appreciate your honesty and your insight. Yeah. Um. Last question. If you were to nominate three people to sit down and have a conversation with me, it doesn't have to be one of your friends. It can be a friend. It doesn't have to be class of 2008. It can be someone that you just want to know, like, holy crap, I graduated with that person and I haven't seen them at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Name three people. Yeah. So one of the people we're off the bat that I can think of is Lisa Scheiderly. So why Lisa? I know through Facebook and Instagram that she recently uh, got accepted to the New York bar and I think the New Jersey bar too. So I'd really, yeah.
0: That That is awesome. She's a badass. That's a good name. Yes,
1: absolutely. So I really want to hear about her experience with that and just catch up on how her life's doing. So, and I just thought her story was really, well, not her story, but just her getting to that point was really amazing. So I'd really love to hear more about it. Um, uh do you do you remember maria camera at all she was michael camera's little sister um yeah i'd like to hear about how she's doing i know that she went to slippery rock and she was a metalsmith there and i i believe she has a job as a metalsmith a
0: metalsmith at slippery Mm -hmm. rock
1: Mm -hmm. they're a big art college too yeah you can major on that Mm -hmm.
0: i had no idea that's a good name okay Mm -hmm.
1: and uh dave micasole (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh okay <laughs> he agreed to do this as well so i that's thought so
1: i thought so but yeah i'd like to see how you know how his perspective is now that he's principal and everything
0: yeah it'll be interesting well thank, thank you, you so much for sitting down in your time i appreciated chatting with you thank you um i'm gonna try to release one of these a week so that people don't get annoyed of them annoyed with them annoyed with me whatever um, <laughs> Jesse's came out on Wednesday and he already has 25 views, which impressed and shocked me.
1: Yes. I listened uh, to it. It was for good.
0: <laughs> so yours will be coming out July 18th. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and post that on Facebook and tag you in it. As long as I have your blessing. Of course. To do that. Of course. But yeah, hopefully new episodes. will try for new episodes every Wednesday because I'm nerdy like that. And I like social media and I want to see where this project goes. So yeah, me too. Um, Thank you for your time and your thoughts. And I just like hearing about what people are up to and seeing how they've changed in the past 10 years or haven't changed. It's fine. It's cool. (laughs) Um, But thank you for doing this with me and I hope you have a good weekend.
1: You too, Kate. Thanks so much.
0: All right. bye. Bye Bye.